Chapter 13. He had forgotten what fresh air felt like, filling his nostrils and lungs. It felt good. With his back pressed against the house, he stood still for a moment, just breathing. All the months he'd spent inside suddenly seemed like a dream. He'd been like some confused animal hibernating during nice weather. The last real thing that happened to him was being called inside when the woods were coming down. Real life was outdoors. But so was danger, and the longer he stayed out, the greater the danger. He forced himself down into a crouch and half crawled, half ran alongside the house and the hedges and the barn. At the back edge of the barn, he hesitated, staring into the seemingly endless gulf between the barn and the trees at the boundary between his backyard and the sports families. Everybody's gone, he told himself. There's not a soul around to see you. Still, he waited staring at the blades of grass just beyond his feet. He'd been taught all his life to fear open spaces like the one in front of him. It faced dozens of windows. He'd never, stepped, he'd never stepped foot in any place that public, even if it was deserted. Still hidden by the barn, he made himself inch his foot forward. Then he drew it back. He turned around and looked at his family's house, so safe and secure, his sanctuary. He heard his mother's voice in his head. Luke, inside, now. It seemed so real. He remembered something he'd read in one of the old books in the attic about telepathy. Supposedly, if people really loved you, they could call out to you from miles away if you were in danger. He should go back. He'd be safe there. He took a deep breath, looking forward toward the sports family's house, then back toward his own. He thought about returning home, trudging up the worn stairs, going back to his familiar room and the walls he stared at every day. Suddenly, he hated his house. It wasn't a sanctuary. It was a prison. Before he had time to think again, he pushed himself off into a sprint, recklessly streaking across the grass. He didn't even stop to hide at any trees. He ran right to the sports family's door and tugged at the screen. It was locked. Chapter 14. In all his plottings, Luke had never thought of the screen door being locked. Though he knew his own parents locked up at night, when they didn't forget, the doors at his house had always been open for him, and he'd never been near anyone else's door. Idiot, he muttered to himself. He tugged harder on the door, but he couldn't concentrate enough to make his hands work together. Each second that passed made the hair on the back of his neck stand up more. He'd never been so exposed in his entire life. Hurry, 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 get out of sight. The door didn't budge. He'd have to turn around, now. That was what his brain said. What his hand did was plunge through the screen. He pulled the wire away from the frame and reached through. The screen scraped the back of his hand and arm, but he didn't stop. He fiddled with the lock inside until he heard it click. He silently slid the screen door back and stepped past the hanging blinds into the sports family's house. Even with the blinds blocking every window, the room he entered was airy and bright. From the freshly painted walls to the sparkling glass tables to the polished wood floor, everything looked new. Luke stared. Almost all the furniture in his own house had been around as long as he could remember, and whatever patterns and designs it originally carried had long ago been worn away. At his house, even the once orange's couch and the once 
greenish chairs were all now matching sort of brownish gray. This room was different. It reminded him of a word he'd never heard, only read. Pristine. No one had ever stepped on these white rugs with manure-covered boots. No one had ever sat on those pale blue couches with corn-dust-covered jeans. Luke might have stood by the door forever in awe, but someone coughed in another room. Then he heard a strange beep-beep-beep-beep. He tiptoed forward. Better to discover than to be discovered. He went down a long hallway. The beeps had turned into a long, drawn-out buzz coming from a room at the end. Holding his breath, Luke stopped outside the door to that room and gathered the nerve to peek in. His heart pounded. There was still time to escape unseen, to go back to his house and attic and normal, safe life. But he'd always wonder. Luke leaned forward slowly, moving a fraction of an inch at a time until he could just barely see around the door. Inside the room was a chair and a desk and a big apparatus that Luke vaguely recognized as a computer. And at the computer, typing away furiously, sat a girl. Luke blinked, thrown off. Somehow he'd never thought about the sports family's third child being a girl. She was mostly facing away from Luke, and she wore jeans and a gray sweatshirt, not much different from what the sports family brothers always wore. Her dark hair was almost as short as Luke's, but there was something about the curve of her cheeks and the tilt of her head, the way her sweatshirt clung or didn't cling to her body. All of that made Luke certain she wasn't like him. He blushed. Then he gulped. The girl turned her head. I, Luke croaked. Before he had a chance to think of another word, the girl was across the room and had knocked him down. Then she pinned him to the floor, his arms twisted behind his back, his face buried in the carpet. Luke struggled to turn his head to breathe. So, the girl hissed in his ear, you think you can sneak up on a poor, innocent, unsuspecting girl who's home all alone? Guess nobody told you about our alarm system. A call went out to our security guards the minute you stepped on our property. They'll be here any second. Luke panicked. So this is how he'd die. He had to explain. He had to escape. No, he said. They can't come. I... Oh, yeah, the girl said. Who are you to stop them? Luke raised his head as much as he could. He said the first words that popped into his mind. Population police. The girl let go.